thoughts for us to think about. Uh, the emphasis is on thinking, uh, listening. It's not about listening to me, but it's about what God might be saying out of these few verses that uh, we heard some moments ago. Uh, as we think about this morning, the unexpected reality. We've been uh, following the Christmas story, noting along the way that so many of the things that happened were unexpected, and when something unexpected happens, you're forced to stop, take notice, and ask the question, why? Why did that happen? What does this mean? What does this part of the story say to me in my life? What does it tell me about God? What does it tell me about what He wants from me? How do I respond to it, the unexpected reality. Thinking firstly about the past, I'd like you to uh, keep your Bibles open to verse 13 of uh, those verses that uh, Chris kindly read to us. Verse 13, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Why is that verse unexpected? Turn to your neighbor, turn to the person in front or behind, and ask them that question if you don't know the answer. Why? Why is that part of the story unexpected? Go. Any thoughts then on why those verses, or that verse in particular, is unexpected? It's going to be a long morning. Danny, shout it out. No, no, absolutely. Herod clearly misunderstood and felt that his earthly kingdom was threatened, which, of course, in many ways it was and, and would have been. Andrew? Sporting a Christmas I, jumper? I could be wrong, but wasn't the whole of the Old Testament about fleeing from Egypt? Ah, something about Jesus having to come out of Egypt? Any other reason why it was unexpected? Yeah, Donald, I'll come to you. Don't trouble yourself. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing much this morning. Um, you just expect God's all-powerful to be able to sort Herod out, but in the end, uh, Jesus had to run for his life from it, so typical human experience. Ah, I think that's a very interesting point and kind of homes in a little bit on, on what got me thinking about these verses. Absolutely true that Herod was threatened by uh, Jesus uh, and wanted him eliminated. Absolutely true that there was something in the Old Testament about moving out of Egypt, that there's something very powerful to be said about Jesus coming out of Egypt as our Redeemer. But what Donald said is what I want us to focus on uh, and draw these three strands together uh, about how Jesus had a very human experience. We tend to think, we tend to think that if we believe in Jesus, then everything else will be okay. We tend to live with this false kind of notion that if I am to follow him, that somehow it will all work out okay. You don't have to follow Jesus for very long to realize that that's not actually very true. What was that song we sang about, something about all our problems disappearing? Uh, uh, we know what it meant, but in reality, when we say we're going to go God's way, the very human reality is that all kinds of things get thrown at us. And I want us to think about this this morning. Bad things happen to good people. 
bad things happen to good people. If there was any life that was to receive special treatment, somehow to be uh, 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 not earthed in the broken fallenness of our world, if there was anyone who could have and should have escaped the trouble of living on planet earth, it was Jesus. Yet within months, maybe uh, before he was two years old, within a couple of years, he was literally running, fleeing for his life, because bad things happen to good people. And as you look back over 2012, what might be dominant in your thinking is that something bad happened to you. And actually, I'm a good person, so that's not fair. And we all think like that sometimes. Why has this happened to me? That's not right. And instinctively, we get angry with God for the thing that has happened. What was God's role in this particular story? You generally have to open your mouth and breathe a bit to get some sound through. Technically called speaking. Sorry? Fulfilling Scripture, what else did God do? Warned people. Anything else? He gave instruction. You see, God took the role of the rescuer. Isn't that what God's like? But so often, maybe even in the bad thing that happened to you this last year, you're still in that place of being angry with God, you're cross with Him, You can't make sense of it. You're asking the question, why? And actually, the the role that God wants to take is to be your rescuer in that situation. But for as long as you blame Him, He cannot help you. And uh, we believe very much that God speaks to us. And uh, John Ducker had a word just a few moments ago, uh, just sensing there's someone here really sad, about something that's happened in 2012. You're angry about it. You're angry with God about it. And because of that, you can't let Him help you. Because you're you're cross and you're you're frustrated and you're, you're putting all these walls up with the very person who can rescue you. And you'll know if that's you this morning. And the only reason God spoke to John about that, who passed it on to me, I'm sharing it with you, is because God wants to say He loves you enough to speak to you in a crowd this morning. And he loves you enough to say he wants to take the role of being your rescuer. Being your rescuer. So just think about this story with me for a moment. A couple of things uh, that happen. Look again in verse 13 with me. And, And notice what Joseph did that was so important. What did Joseph do? He heard the Lord speaking. He heard the Lord Uh, And I want to invite you this morning in that painful, difficult thing about 2012, I want to invite you to hear God speaking. And maybe you haven't heard a word from Him because your anger, your frustration, your disappointment, your sadness, your pain, your tears, whatever it might be, all perfectly reasonable and in so many ways perfectly human, all of those things have got in the way. And Joseph's response to the trouble he was in was to hear God speak, to hear the Lord speak. And secondly, I love the hope that's in these verses. Even at the end of verse 13, stick with it, so much in one verse. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there. When? Until I tell you. There's always an end with God, isn't there? 
Isn't that brilliant? It's only a period in time. At the valley of the shadow of death, you walk through. You don't stay there. You don't camp there. There's always an end. Go down to Egypt until I tell you. There will be a conclusion. You hear the Lord, and that gives you hope in the Lord. As you hear the Lord, you get hope from the Lord. And it may be that painful thing in 2012. Now is the day with 48 hours to go before we close this year out to listen to what God might say to you and to receive renewed hope in that part of your life that you thought was all broken and painful and all chewed up. Let's be quiet for a moment. Let's be quiet for a moment. And you will already know what that is if God's speaking to you. And maybe you've got to confess that you've made God the bad guy when God was never the bad guy. Maybe you've got to confess that you've been angry with God and that was misplaced. Maybe you've been blaming God and that was misplaced. Maybe instead of hearing from the Lord, you've been busy hearing from yourself. You've been listening to your own pain and to your own hurts and your own sadness and your own disappointment. And it's time just to lay that all out before God this morning. That God might speak to you afresh. He's outside time. He can heal something that happened on the 1st of January 2012 as much as He can change something on the 1st of January 2013. It's no big deal for a God who knows and covers all things. We offer you the things about our past that have hurt us and wounded us and broken us things that have made us bitter and angry, things that have blocked you out, things that have made us turn in on ourselves, turn away from you, put walls up around us between us and God's people. Lord, we confess those things. The Lord's my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down. In green pastures, he leads me by quiet waters. He restores my soul. As we sing, let's gather those painful things up as a little offering before God. If you could have fixed it, you would have done it by now. But there's so much that you can't fix that only he can. The Lord's my shepherd. Unexpected reality that the Son of God would race for his life in the early years of his life on earth. An unexpected reality in the present where he would end up. Look with me towards the end of the verses that we read to verse 23. And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. Nazareth. What a dump. Nazareth. A backwater. A nobody town. Makes Ipswich look interesting and alive. (laughs) Nazareth. The Son of God. Surely, Jerusalem just 100 miles away. Why not Jerusalem? 
where all the scholars, all the theologians, all the clever clogs people, Jerusalem, Nazareth, out of the way, hardly ever mentioned, not not heard of really before or since, just a, a little ordinary town you drive through, you blink and it's gone. Nazareth. Can you imagine Jesus saying, Nazareth. And there are some of us, as we get to the end of this year, and we enter 2013, we're saying to ourselves, do you know, I'm not where I imagined. Relationally, socially, geographically, economically, health-wise, opportunity-wise, circumstantially, I'm not where I imagined. For 30 years almost, Jesus was in a place where he could have said every single day, I'm not where I imagined. And maybe as you enter this new year, there's a a lack of hope, to be honest. There's a lack of a sense of joy because you know that you're not where you want to be. It's not where you imagine. And the question that you're dying to have answered because you feel like you're in Nazareth and the question that you're longing for God to answer is when can I leave? When can I leave? When can I get out of this place? When can I leave this situation, this circumstance, this particular set of uh, uh, logistics that keeps me where I am? When can I get out of my Nazareth? When can I go? But remember the verses that we've read, these remarkable verses about God seeming to have it all in His control. Is that not what these verses speak of? The Lord that appeared to Joseph, they went down to Egypt. The Lord promised it wouldn't be there for a long time because he was going to fulfill something. A promise long ago was going to be fulfilled. And in the fullness of time, he left Egypt, verse 14 and 15. Verse 16, Herod was thwarted. God seemed to have it all under control. And then he arrived in Nazareth, the Was that a mistake? Had God missed it? Had God run out of ideas? Had faith reached rock bottom? Nazareth? No. It was to fulfill what was said through the prophets. He will be called a Nazarene. Even in Nazareth, God was working His purpose out. Even where you are, even though you're not where you imagined, God is longing to work His purpose out. Do I get an amen? An amen. God's longing to work His purpose out. So your question, how long must I stay here, is not God's question. The question that God wants to put on our hearts as we enter this new year is this. What's God's purpose for me here? What's God's purpose for me here? And you know the awful truth? You came here to be cheered up, didn't you? You know, you're full of turkey and stuff. You thought, I'll go to church, that'll cheer me up. Do you know the awful truth? Is that God probably hasn't set a date for you to leave Nazareth until you've worked out why you were there in the first place. Do I get an amen? We've got to learn quick. We've got to learn quick. 
And it's not that Jesus took 30 years to learn. Jesus knew from these verses. In Nazareth, it was all under control. And maybe God needs you to know today that where you are, it's not where you imagined, but God knew. And it's all under control. Do I get an amen? No, that's hopeless. <laughs> where you are, it's all under control. Do I get an amen? No, still pretty hopeless, but hey, hope for better next year. What's God's purpose for you? So as I started to talk about Nazareth, as I started to paint a picture of you not being where you imagined, what were you thinking of? What's God's purpose for you there? 30 seconds, really quiet. What's God's purpose where he's put you? What, what, what was in your mind? The relationship, the circumstance, the job, the town, the whatever. What, what was it? Your situation. What, what, what's God's purpose for me here? What's God's purpose right now? Lord, we pray for one another. As we find ourselves so often in an unexpected reality, we didn't imagine it would turn out like this. And yet this story of the life of your son gives us great hope and great comfort. Who would have imagined the Son of God in Nazareth for that period of time? Yet it was all under your control. Help me to learn to trust you where you've placed me. Help me to know your purpose where I am right now. Help me not to long for another day when you've given me this one. Help me not to look elsewhere when you're simply asking me to look around. If Jesus could spend 20-odd years in Nazareth, maybe where I am is not so bad or not so unexpected. Be with me in my Nazareth. We remember one another and other friends and family in our prayers this morning. We pray for Chris Sheldrake, whose brother Roger died suddenly on Christmas Eve. Pray for Chris and Steve as they journey to be with his wife today. Pray for Elizabeth Gosden's mum and dad, the mother still in hospital. Jonathan Barnes's mum and dad, Jonathan's mum's moved to a care home over Christmas. We pray for her onward journey back home. For others that have been in hospital and are recovering, for Euline Felix, for Lou and Chris Dyer's daughter-in-law, Charlie.
Phil Brown's mother still in hospital, but father improving at home. We pray now especially for all those for whom these days are well hard because they are forever related to loss. We grieve those that we've lost this past year or maybe many years ago, but we feel it so acutely. So we pray for Heather and Phil Marsden and their family as they await Heather's father's funeral on Friday coming. And for all those who are just caught up in a deep sense of loss as this year comes to a close. We thank you for the resurrection. That at the moment when everything seemed lost, we were more found than we might ever have imagined. When it looked like you'd left never to return, you came again. Come to our hearts, Lord Jesus.